Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Let's Talk CFL Podcast. Roundtable discussion recorded live on Sunday and Wednesday nights. Visit Let's Talk CFL on Facebook for showtime. Brought to you by the Let's Talk Sports Groups on Facebook. Our partners, LostWorldOnSports.com. Stream live on BlogTalkRadio.com. Good evening, football fans, and welcome to Let's Talk CFL Podcast, episode number 368. I'm your host, Christopher Jones. We're going to talk football, CFL football. Yeah, that's what we always do. So we're not going to change it up because it ain't broke. Don't fix it. Um, Yeah, so episode 368. The cool thing about this is yesterday was our fourth anniversary. We're now in our fifth season of Let's Talk CFL Podcast. Uh, Charles Cliff has been with me since the beginning. We have had some uh, personnel changes over the years, uh, but Will and Mark have been pretty much permanent for the last couple of years, and uh, we're having fun. I mean, 368 shows in uh, four years, and uh, just we're not going anywhere. We're just absolutely not going anywhere. This is too much fun. Uh, we are the one of the longest, we're not the longest, but we are one of the longest, I think number two, actually, uh, CFL podcast in, uh, in Canada. And, uh, we're just having fun. We're screaming along. Gotta give, you know, shout out Frank. Frank's definitely been around longer. That's where we, most of us started and, uh, we're still here. So anyhow, um, strange week, man. We're in week two of the CFL and, what a bizarre week. Everything is weird is happening, okay? I mean, look at the blowout in Toronto. We're going to get to that. But, oh, my God, like, what the hell happened? Um, CFL, we've uh, heard that uh, Simone Lawrence, who did play in this last game because he has filed an appeal, his appeal is not going to take place till July 9th. So he gets another two or three games in before his appeal comes around. Uh, which is okay. I mean, shit, that's the, it's the process. The process says he's appealed it. So he's allowed to play until then. And, uh, you know, can't argue with that one. So, and, uh, what else the hell happened? Everything's gone just absolutely bonkers. Um, most people are happy with the way things are turning out in, in the CFL. Our Lions fans aren't, we're Owen too. But then at the beginning of the season or long in, into the off season, I said, I wouldn't be surprised that if the Lions go Owen three, looking at the schedule, I mean, we got to play Winnipeg, Edmonton and Calgary right off the bat. And then we, we, we go to Toronto for a game and then we come back and play Edmonton again. And then we play two against Saskatchewan. So, you know, we might be behind, behind the eight ball through the first third of the season. And uh, have to ramp up and put on your big boy pants and come back. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. We'll see what happens. Okay. All sorts of news. We got quarterbacks dropping all over the place. Uh, uh, Antonio Pipkin's on the – he's not on the IR, but he's uh, he's getting pretty close to the sixth game, or he's definitely going to be out for a while. Uh, Brandon Bridge – not Brandon Bridge, sorry. Uh, Zach Claris went on the sixth game. We know that. And, uh, oh, wow. I don't know. We're going to get to the games first off. There was only three this week, so we can take a look at them. And then we'll go through uh, Charles's agenda and uh, talk some football. Let's open up the mics and bring in the people. Speaking of Charles, how you doing, my friend? Welcome. I'm doing well. Yes. Back after my one show hiatus to celebrate my anniversary. And uh, here we are again. Yeah. Well, yesterday was my wife's birthday. So, you know, it's been a busy week for us. It has been. 
And we've had all this football in the middle of it, so. I know. At least, at least you missed a yeah. podcast and not a football game. Yeah, that's that's a plus. Yeah, but uh, uh, looking how Friday's game turned out, I might have been happy to miss that one. But I, it, I did uh, miss part it of it. Is what it, it was, was probably a good thing. Well, hopefully it was the hopefully it was the last part of it, not the first part of it, because the first quarter was all right. If I had shut it off there, I probably would have been happy. Uh, I didn't, and uh, I wasn't. I, I went outside and it was uh, seventeen to three for BC, and I came back inside, had to go do some chores. Came back in, it was twenty twenty. I went, what the fuck? And uh, then I had to go do some other stuff, and all of a sudden it was like, oh, I don't want to watch the end of this. <laughs> What's the point? Yeah. So yeah, it wasn't a good game for me. Nope. And it wasn't a good game for the Lions. Edmonton fans are happy they got to beat up on Riley. But, you know, you got a question. Oh, we'll talk about it later. Let's, we'll talk about it later. Okay, opening up the mics, we got Mark. Mark, how you doing, buddy? Doing good. It was a fun weekend of football for me because no skin in the game with the Bombers on the bye week. Mm-hmm. So I, do, I got to sit back and watch some bizarre football all weekend. It was bizarre. It wasn't a normal week, what was it? It was and we saw Saskatchewan score a touchdown for the first time, in, or a passing touchdown for the first time in seven games. I know, and Zach wasn't yeah. playing. <laughs> it was different. Yeah. So, yeah, it was a good weekend of football. William, you're Calgary Stampeders. Yeah. You got to watch three games of football with no skin in the game, as Mark puts it? Yeah, yeah, it was okay, but I'm... I'm always thinking about what's up next for Calgary, and I was. It's BC. I, I was. I critiqued the BC game quite quite a bit, and uh, I it's yeah. I think BC and Calgary are going to be pretty similar this year. To be honest with you, so. I and I'm not going to argue I, that I, one. I, so the I'm question not, is: I'm BC going to be zero and three, or is Calgary going to be zero and two? I don't know, and I'm not, I'm not optimistic at this point in time, because yeah. I've been watching, and Calgary hasn't brought anybody in in their off week, and I think they need to bring some bodies in, to be honest with you. But they have not yet, so maybe the master planners are going to master plan something. So we shall see. Um, but yeah. we'll, we'll see. I mean, we'll see. I'm. I'm gonna go to the game on Saturday, and I'm a little worried. But oh well. What are well, you gonna do? so so yeah, we're just gonna watch football, and right now we're gonna talk about football. Yeah. First game up this this yep. weekend was Thursday night game. I hate Thursday night games; I always have. Uh, and they're trying to make it it cool by doing special Thursday night songs and, and doing bands and and all sorts of stuff. And uh, who, who did they put in there? They put some uh, some some uh, big band in Edmond uh, in. Ottawa there, some, uh, what was it, Elevator man, elevator Boys or something like this, or what was it? I'm not sure who they were. I don't know. They were terrible in my mind, but that's what I think. Oh, 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 oh I, I remember. They play. were uh, something about a, a race car or, no, well, never mind. It'll come to me. Monster Truck? Yeah, that's them. Yeah, that's what it was. There you go. Monster they were truck. terrible. Mon- they, were train they, were, they were from Hamilton, too, so what do you expect? Do they actually make money playing music like that? I, I would assume that they don't oh, do no. the CFL for nothing. 
So I don't know. But I'm assuming. I you know during that part of the game I just wanted to find some dental floss and try to get the shit out of my teeth. So uh, it was it was terrible. Okay, so uh, we had the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, which was uh, minus Zach Caleros, and they had Cody Fajardo in his quarterback on an extremely short leash, and Isaac Harker was the backup and chomping on the bit to get out there on the field after his little bit of stint in week one. But Cody Fajardo did not perform poorly. In fact, I think he did quite well. Uh, Where are we here? Yeah. So it was a bit of a shootout. And I don't know whether we can call it a shootout. Because let's face it, okay? All of us picked Saskatchewan to be last in the West. Most of us, not me, picked Ottawa to be last in the East. Okay? And basically, because neither one of them had a QB. I mean, Zach Caleros, we, it wasn't if he got hurt, it was when, and it when happened real soon. So, we've got two teams that we thought were going to be the bottom of each division battling it out. So, I mean, this is a fight of the word, of the, the terribles, right? So, they went out there. Now, both of these quarterbacks are brand new. Cody Fajardo really has no 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 film on him. He never started a game before. And uh, uh, who is it? Dom Davis. I mean, Dom Davis. How many games did Dom Davis start? You know, two, three in his entire career. And none of them have been good. None of them were good. And uh, so, you know, we, we just did not expect a lot out of this. So they went out there and they, they threw the ball. Nobody had film on either of these quarterbacks. There's no prepping for these two quarterbacks. And they went out there and they actually, they, they performed fairly well. They were fairly accurate, but the point being is, was it the offense just clicked on all cylinders, or was it absolutely god-awful defense? And I'm going with the latter of these two, because I was not impressed with the coverage at all. In fact, one of the guys out there, what did he got targeted 17 times, got burned 14 for 175 yards? I mean, god damn. You should be looking for a job like J.C. Penny selling like washing machines or something because you're no good at football. Okay, I'm gonna leave this one to Charles. Take this one away. Saskatchewan, Ottawa. Ottawa won this one, by yeah. the way. But they it did. was a, yep. a bond burner. Uh, yeah, it was um, it was something, all right. I mean, Dominic Davis and. Um, and um, Cody Fajardo, neither one of them ha- have ever had a game like that before in their life. So you got to wonder, it's kind of strange that they both have this big game at the same time. Um, let's face it, these guys have been starters before in other games, and they have not been all that impressive. In fact, they've been kind of horrible when you look at it. So I think you got to look at it, and yeah, give them credit. They did what they needed to do. They were both had very impressive numbers, but then you got to look at it and say, God, neither one of the, these two defenses couldn't stop Cody Fajardo and Dominic Davis. How horrible are they? I mean, the, both quarterbacks were playing catch all night with their receivers. They really were. Uh, because these receivers were not um, 
they they did not have a lot of coverage. Let's face it. This was uh, pitch and catch night, and sure, I'm sure the offensive coordinators were happy with the uh, performance of their um, teams or their offenses because they moved the ball. They both put up a lot of points. That's true. But uh, if I'm a defensive coordinator of one of these two teams, I'm a little scary, scared because these two quarterbacks have never put up big numbers before, and both of these quarterbacks torched our defenses, which is a scary thing. Uh, and it wasn't like it was an all-around offensive um, game for either team because ne- the biggest rusher for either team is Marcus Sigpen with 57 yards. So it was all basically through the air. And, yeah, no touchdowns. What does it say when Dominic Davis had four interceptions last week? Saskatchewan did not intercept him once in this game. And giving up 354 yards. I'm not knocking for Jardo and Davis. Like I said, they did what they needed to do. But you got to be – if I'm one of these – if I'm either one of these teams, I don't know how much I'm jumping up and down because – both the defenses, I thought, got exposed in this game badly. But uh, give Davis credit, he got three more points than Fajardo did. And that was enough to win the game. So Ottawa's happy, they're 2-0, and but uh, that both of those defenses need some work. Yeah, no doubt about that one. Okay. Mark, did you see it the same way? Defense sucks. It, it, offense was like okay, but uh, there, there was no opposition to them, so they just ran down the field and scored, and the other guys ran down the field and scored and went around and around and around. That's pretty much what it was, really. And the guy you were thinking of from Saskatchewan, that was Nick Marshall. Maybe he needs to go back. Wasn't he their um, short yardage quarterback last year? Could be. He he was absolutely torched over so, and over and over. So do you remember what the stats were? Because I kind of like spitballed them. I was close, wasn't I? Um, you weren't far off at all. Rhymes, who he was against all game, had, I think it was 168 yards receiving. Yeah. He And it wasn't that he was playing bad. I don't think he... He had close contact on every single one, and he just whiffed on every single knockdown. He had to come out of that game going, I played the best I could, and I got destroyed. But it was a fun game to watch. There was Both defenses need to work on explosion plays by the receivers because there was uh, both teams had an over 40-yard uh, catch and run which is not good when you're getting that much. Um, Both quarterbacks did impress me, though. Fiardo actually impressed me more than Davis. Davis has been in quite a few football games. Not regular season, but he's played an exhibition. He's played a few regular season games. But Fiardo, for his first start, he looked really calm. I expected to see happy feet and 
there was none. It was a fun game to watch. They scored 55 points in the first half. Like Charles said, it was pick and catch. It was just crazy. Uh, they both had close to 80% uh, completion ratio, too, which is amazing. There was no defensive backs there at all. So it was just a pitch and catch game. But if you like offensive football, it was fun to watch. Yeah, we do have offensive yeah, football. Was. Right, but you also want them to be challenged. Oh, for sure. But, you know, from an entertainment value of it, if you're into the the high-scoring games and the crazy plays, it was there for you. Yeah, that's kind of like the Trump Hamilton game. We'll get to that in a while. Yep. <laughs> yeah. I don't know, man. I don't know. I mean, Moses Madu, they didn't they neither team really ran the ball much. Dom Davis did. He almost ran it as much as Madu. Well Saskatchewan between two guys had over a hundred yards rushing. They had about hundred and twenty five yeah. yards rushing throughout the game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well they actually lost yards on one guy, but yeah, Marcus Thickpin yeah. and William Powell had like a hundred and two yards. And then Cody Fajardo added ten. Yeah. So, you know, so they're 112 yards less the four that Kyron Moore lost. So, you know, 108 yards rushing is what they had. I did see one stat earlier. Saskatchewan had an eight-yard average on second down. That's amazing. That's crazy. That's really amazing. It just yeah. makes no sense at all. There was no defensive back coverage at all. Eight yards? Randall had a brutal game, too. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you, if you look at it, Richie Leone punted six times, and Jonathan Ryan punted seven times. So there's only 13 punts in the entire game. That's, that's ridiculous. There was almost more kickoffs. So, I don't know. Okay. William. Did you enjoy this game? Saskatchewan lost, so it's not a bad game. Uh, well, yeah, I did like the game. And you know what? For the average football fan who doesn't know anything, that would have been an enjoyable game because people who don't know anything about football enjoy scoring. And there was lots yes. of scoring. Okay? Um, I, I think uh, Winnipeg From is both looking sides. brilliant right now. Cause, yeah, Winnipeg is looking brilliant right now. Because they got rid of Randall, and man, he was getting beat like a like. Oh my God, that guy shouldn't be on the field right now. I don't know if he had a bad game, but he got beat left, right, and center. Okay, he always seemed to be one step behind. Um, but on the other hand, maybe Winnipeg doesn't look that brilliant because Dominique Davis is the second leading passer in the CFL currently. Okay? Yeah. Second leading passer in the CFL. Okay? Right behind uh, Trevor right Harris. Behind, uh, Trevor Harris. Okay? So, I knew that uh, he could throw the long ball and he showed it the other night. And he's quite a good athlete, too. So, 
I mean, you can help these guys. But I think it was just a matter of nobody's really seen Dominic Davis and nobody's really seen uh, Fajardo. And I think next week people will have uh, books on them. So we'll see. We'll see. But, yeah, it was an entertaining game to watch. I mean, Ottawa could be in first place in the they are this year. The way they were and playing. And I said no, that I all are, season. But... You guys laughed at me. So, you know, I, I guess when an offense is – it works for a guy and offense works for a guy. So, and I guess it will only get better because if Dominic Davis does perform well, they'll cater the offense more around his abilities. So we'll see. Yeah. We'll see. Yeah. But it was entertaining to watch. And uh, what's his name? Rhymes for uh, Ottawa. He was, he was lights out catching the ball the other night too. So, yeah. Okay, so this game ended up 44-41 to 41 for the Ottawa Red Blacks over Saskatchewan. Yes, 44-41. to 41. There's 85 points scored in this game. Nowhere near a record, but God damn, that's a lot of points being scored. Okay, 80, 85 points. Okay, so Charles... Charles picked a score of 24-14. You're out by a bit there, Charlie. 47 yep. points you're out by. Okay? Yep. That wasn't the worst. Okay? Mark. Will was out by 35 points. He picked 36-14. So be it. Will, you got the brownie point on that one. Okay? Uh... Mark, you're out by 56 points. 56 points. Holy shit. I was out by 48, and I thought that was bad. I picked Saskatchewan, though. Oh, so you lost? Yeah, I lost. I'm completely lost. Okay, well, that, 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 that's what's-his-name's putting this shit down here. Come on, Steven, get your shit together, okay? He, mark, it, mark it properly. He, he lost. Okay. And I was out by 48 points. Are you sure? Did you pick Saskatchewan? Yeah, it's positive I did. Yeah, you picked Saskatchewan. You lost. Steven screwed up. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Speaking of Steven, hey, can you make this thing on one page, like, really big so I can print it out and see it without my glasses? I don't care what happened last week or last two weeks or ten weeks ago. Just what's happened this week and make it really big font so it prints on one page. And I can read it all with my glasses. Without my glasses, that would be lovely. Thank you. <laughs> okay, so uh, Will, you get the points for that one, buddy. And uh, yippee, we, what's that? Yippee, yippee, yippee. yeah. Okay, yep. we're moving on to the Friday night football, which we all love. Friday night football, except for when your team loses their shit. Um, it was the BC Lions went into. Commonwealth Stadium to play the Eskimos. This was the biggest game of the season, okay? For a lot of different reasons, but mainly because this is Mike Riley going back to the Eskimos to play them, right? So we knew that this was going to 
wasn't the impo- most important game in standings for the year. There's going to be far more important games. But this is the one that should have had the most hype going in. Did it, the CFL hype this game? No. Did the Eskimos hype this game? No. Did you see the stands? Nobody showed up. It was dismal. Edmonton Eskimo fans, you have no right to ever bitch about BC, Montreal, or Toronto and their fans not supporting their team. Commonwealth Stadium, man, you could throw darts around, lawn darts around in that place. You wouldn't hit fans in the stands. It was terrible. It was absolutely awful. I was so embarrassed for you guys. Anyhow, I'm sure that they, they're, they're going to say that they had some big, massive uh, attendance, but... Oh, 24,000, they said. No way did you have 24,000 in that stadium. Ain't happening. I'm not buying it. Okay, so anyhow, BC goes back to Edmonton, and uh, it uh, was a bit of a route, and then it went the other way, and it ended up in, like, la-la land, and we're just not going to go there. We're not really happy about the outcome of this game. But then uh, you never are when your team loses. (sighs) Deep sigh. Anyhow, the one thing I want to notice about this game is – they brought the heat on Mike Riley, and BC's O-line didn't stand up. But here's the thing. How many roughing the passer penalties did they get? BC had to challenge two calls. Why weren't these called? All night he was getting abused by the, the defensive line, and you could have called another four roughing the passer penalties on him. You cannot say that that was a worthy defensive play when you are cheating. Charles, go ahead. Take it away before I blow a blood vessel. Yeah, I know how you feel. Uh, boy, this one looked like it was going to go uh, really well for a while. It was 17-3 to at one point. I'm like, hey, they're going to coast. It looked like uh, they were causing turnovers, the offense was moving the ball, they were putting touchdowns on the board. And then, then they went on vacation. The second half of the second quarter hit and everything <coughs> changed. It was a free fall. The offensive line disappeared. Bye-bye uh, now. Literally vanished, I think. Uh, could I, I, they, they were getting through on every play. I, I haven't seen forever a team getting so um, manhandled on the offensive line by a defensive line. They were just running right through them like they weren't there. It was like uh, a bunch of adults against a bunch of children. Uh, Mike Riley couldn't do anything simply because every play he had two or three guys right in his face. No wonder they weren't moving the ball. And then the Lions' defense, which actually I thought started out very well in the first half, they disappeared too, and uh, Trevor Harris hit Greg Ellingson. He hit Kenny Stafford. They ran the ball with C.J. Gable, and it turned into basically what was a good start. Vanished, and it almost turned into a bit of a laugher. The Lions were really uh, Mike Riley had a hundred yards passing, one forty nine in the first one hundred and forty. Well. I'm talking oh. about uh, in the first in the yeah. I'm talking about in the first half. He had yeah. 108 yards at the end of the first quarter, and he ended up with 149, which means quarters two to four, 
He had 48 yards passing in three quarters. Not surprising, like I said, when you've got three guys standing in front of you at all time, and you're Trying running to rip for off your, your life, head. it's kind of hard to complete passes. And I'm going to call out the referees. Uh, you mentioned it, you referenced it a minute ago. Two very blatant hit-to-the-head calls by the Eskimos. The Lions had to waste two challenges on them. They should never, and this is, I thought this was why we had the eye in the sky guys. Because they're supposed to make those calls. Instead, we had to use both challenges, and I thought both of them were um, both of them were um, bloody obvious. Should have been called in the first place. But I mean, give Edmonton credit; they made some adjustments, uh, especially on de- defense, but on offense too, because their offense was very slow starting in this one. And they really, uh, halfway through the second quarter, they, they took this game over, and they never looked back. Um, what's his name? Trevor Harris. Uh, he was great. He was great again. Um, he's put up some more big numbers, so you got to give him credit. Uh, we've talked about good Trevor Harris, bad Trevor Harris. Well, this he actually put two good games back to back, which is uh, good for him. And hey. You got to look at the um, Edmonton Eskimos. Everyone was talking about BC. Uh, everyone was talking about Calgary. Everyone was talking about Winnipeg. This Eskimo team could be a very, very good and dangerous football team. Now, we've got to still, I think, be very careful not to oversell it because it is still just week two. And a lot of people say the first four weeks of the regular season are glorified preseason. So this is something they've got to build on. Meanwhile, the Lions need to, uh, I think, need to um, go back to the drawing board because they've got to uh, get that. And the offensive line played very well, I thought, in the first quarter. Uh Uh, But it just fell apart. And it spiraled. And sometimes you get those games where they spiral. And I'm hoping this game's a bit of a wake-up call because it was really uh, a a lousy um, game from the second quarter on, let's hope they wake up, call, and they get those uh, get some more protection. Mike Riley's going to get killed if they don't uh, do that because they he can't be doing this game after game. After, they're going he's going to wear down eventually. So, a good game for Edmonton. They were full value for the win. Lions obviously still got some work to do, but they're 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 running short of time, so they better uh, get going quickly. So. It was a disappointing night for Lions fans, including myself. But, hey, like I said earlier, it's only two games. There's still 16 more to go. So let's uh, move forward and see where we go from there. Yeah. Okay. Um, William, what was your take on this game? Um, it, it was the same problem as the last game with BC. They still didn't run enough. Okay. Yeah. Um, and we could we could see that by by Edmonton. And Edmonton does have a good defensive line, and they were pinning their ears back and going after Riley. And I mean, they sacked him seven times. Okay, seven times. That's that's a lot. I. It's I unacceptable. You know, I don't know who was the running back BC had last year at the end of the season. What was his name? It was Jeremiah Johnson? 
Yeah. No, no, no. They brought a, They brought someone else into near the end of the season. Remember? Oh, they had. Um, yeah, the guy. It used to be a Terrell Sutton. Terrell Sutton. That's right. He was Terrell the Sutton. Montreal guy. I don't know why they didn't keep him. Because I don't. I don't, I don't like. Uh, I don't lo- like what's his name. He does not run hard. Don and Lake. Yes, and he has a hard time blocking people coming in on Mike Riley. And even he if does. your running game's not going to work, you got to have a guy who can block guys coming in. Okay? I don't he's think he's too, big he's enough. He's too little. He's too little. Let's yeah, just face um, facts. And, uh, well, the offensive line, the defense, and I don't know if the defensive line is not that great or because they've been on the field so much, they're bagged. Okay? Because... I mean, let's face it, Edmonton ran all over them as well and passed all over them. So it wasn't pretty. It wasn't pretty. And and Mike Riley cannot get abused like that and, and survive the season. So they got some things to change, Bubba. They, they do. So, Without question, they do. But, you know, the officiating could have helped them out a little bit. Sure. And, but, and it wasn't there. Officiating... It's part of the game. I, I tend to wonder. The, again, the players I, shouldn't I, have been in the backfield like that. They they just shouldn't. I mean, yeah. you, you have an offensive line for a reason. And, and, I, and I'm still not a Jarius Jackson fan, sorry. Well, I, 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 I'm I, losing faith. I, yeah, well, I, I just, you know, I'm happy so far. You got, you've got Mike Riley and a number of good receivers, okay? I don't know, so... Let's see what happens. The season is still young and don't even, you know, lots of people in BC are saying, is this 2011 again? Okay, where they lost the first, what was it, nine games, five, five games, seven five, games. Five, uh, six and, and seven. Five. And then they won the whole thing. So, who knows? Who knows? But different they have some different problems coach. to fix tonight. I, I'm surprised that they had the same problems in the second game they had in the first game. I'm surprised they didn't fix them. Maybe they don't. They don't listen to uh, our podcast. Well, I guess it's not only our podcast. It's it's pretty obvious from any perspective, okay? Don't they watch game film? It's pretty obvious. <laughs> I'm you confused. Know. And, I mean, they do have good offensive linemen. I mean, they got Sook Chung there, okay? So, like, what the heck happened? And yeah. and here's the thought, and you guys you guys are going to nay-nay me when I say this, but I still think uh, Dan DeRazio was the, is by far away the best, the best offensive line coach of the CFL, and he's not there anymore. I wouldn't argue with I that. So. I don't disagree with that at all. Okay, because no. he was in Calgary for years, and the guy was fantastic. So, I, but but, and I'm going to put this but out there. Rich Stubler was probably one of the best defensive minds in this league as well. At what point in time yeah, when he was, do when they he was move? 12. To, no, not when he was twelve. He's sixty-nine well, you know right I mean. now. Okay, sixty-seven, something like that. So, no, you know, like, 
10 years ago. He was, he was one, he was brilliant. Yep. So at a certain point in time, just like a player gets too many years and it's time for them to go away, I believe coaches kind of get to that point too where their shit is stale. And if they don't evolve and continue to move on, then then this stuff doesn't work. And Durazio wasn't looking all that good in the last few years. And I'm not going to say he had great material to work with because we had these god-awful Canadian linemen and uh, it, it, things had to change. And you, you can't pick on Suk Chung here. He is only one piece of a big line. And you can have the best lineman in the league. And if he's got no supporting help, then he's going to look like shit. And we know De- Derek Dennis is a great O-lineman. He, he proved that in Calgary. He went to Saskatchewan was nothing because there was nothing – to help him there was nothing there back in calgary now and and hopefully he fares better right he did last year yep so you can't blame Suk chung for this but you can't also pay him two hundred sixty thousand dollars and 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 12 bucks to everybody else no bc doesn't have a balanced lineup that's the problem and we know that, and, you know, we've been picked on, as BC Lions fans, we've been picked on since free agency when we signed Riley to $750,000 a year for four years. Yeah, I, I understand that. But, you know, you have to – something has to happen. they got to do something better because they're just not doing it. And uh, one other thing. Now, we'll do, deal with, talk about this later. Uh, go ahead, Mark. I thought this game came down to coaching. I thought BC was outcoached from the head coach all the way down. Uh, BC had full control in the first quarter. Yeah. Instead of getting touchdowns, they were getting field goals. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I thought it was really in the big on the field at first. That, that was one of the first things I thought of was, should I pass this along on the messenger right now? That is that. Uh, Medlock out there kicking field goals. But they left, They could have been up 24-3. Yeah. Instead, Edmonton in the second quarter made changes. What did BC's offensive coordinator do? Continue chucking the ball down the field. Got to throw the ball. Got to throw the ball. Your offensive line isn't stopping Swiss cheese. Run, as you said last week, CJ, run the fucking ball. Oh, yeah. You know, that yeah, hasn't Riley, was, Riley was sacked seven times. Yes, there was two roughing the passers. So technically, three. really, he was the three. So, okay, he was sacked ten times. He had no time on any plays. And do you nope. even pretend to run the ball when you've got, even when they had the 17-3 lead, did they run the ball? No. Got to 17-10, did they run the ball? No. You're not going to survive. I thought they were completely outcoached. Edmonton made tons of changes on defense and on offense. BC made none. They just kept not arguing. The exact, they kept with the exact same game plan. And when you've got a team that's made all the right changes, I honestly thought 
it looked like the old Winnipeg Blue Bombers where, yeah, we can hang with the teams, but then we don't make the changes in the coaching staff. There was no changing. They stuck with everything. And Suk Chung is a run blocker. Yes. He loves to block. He loves to hit guys. He's a dirty SOB. He loves getting in there. And when you're peddling backwards all the time, you can't do it. No. So, that's it. Okay, so the I one thing I want to say... If, no, go ahead, Charles. I was just saying, I just also wonder, too, if the two running backs we got, uh, Brandon Rutley and the other one being... Um, uh, John White, both of those guys are smaller guys. We don't have like a big bruising uh, fullback type runner, which I think could be helpful as well, not only for the running back, but also in the blocking scheme. Did they go to max protection at all for Riley? No, they had no protection for Riley. I don't know what you're talking about. I think they... I think they tried, but it failed miserably. Because it seemed like it was always five wideouts. It seemed like it was always five guys out, receivers. Mm -hmm. There was nobody staying in to help. Yeah. So the one thing I want to say about this game here is, if you guys remember in the first quarter, uh, Mike Riley took off, and he did a cartwheel, and he landed awkwardly on his head. And it bent oh, sideways, God. and he went down, and it looked like, oh, my good Lord, what's just happened? And he bounces up, and he goes back into the huddle, and he goes off and completes his next pass. Um, afterwards, he said, yeah, that didn't feel really good. Got you That's on? the understatement of the century. <laughs> yeah. Like I was going to say, I can't imagine it did. No kidding. Zach Caleros could not have taken that hit, and that was with the turf, self-inflicted. So don't be blaming Simone Lawrence for ruining your season. Plain and simple. Yeah, but wait a minute. Wait Caleros a minute. would not have, have survived seen, that. Have you ever seen the size of Mike Riley's helmet? For some reason, I don't know if it's the color, it just looks like it's bigger than most people's helmets. I don't know. Maybe he's got, maybe he wears a hat under that helmet that we don't know about, but he likes for hats. some reason he doesn't get concussed. Well, he's probably so, got one of those um, gel pads. Like they've got yeah, these beanies now a, that go on there, he's right? He's probably got a cement head. He's probably got a cement head now too, so. All I'm I mean, saying is that, that that was an absolutely brutal hit. As bad, if not worse, than what Polaris took. And Riley jumps up and it's back in the huddle. And most quarterbacks do get back up after a tremendous hit and get back into the huddle. Polaris does not. So please yes, do not be blaming Simone Lawrence for the end of your season. The reason he does not is because he shouldn't have been playing in the first place. He shouldn't yeah. have been there in the first place. We all know that. I think we that all agree on that one. Yeah. Okay. 
So we've done this. Mark did this. Everybody did this. This was the BC Edmonton game. Final score, Edmonton 39, BC 23. BC scored like six points, and Edmonton scored 36 points. I have no response. Charles, you picked a BC win of 33-29. Not nah, you lose. I'm Will, out. you pick BC. Yep. You lose. Mark, uh, you picked uh, – did you pick Edmonton? Really? Yes, I did. Yeah, you you picked Edmonton. You're out by 56 points and still won. <laughs> I'm the only one that picked Edmonton, though, right? You're the only one that picked Edmonton? Yeah. And yep. – uh, oh, I don't know. Maybe I – you know what? I picked on Steven, too. No, I didn't. I didn't catch the rest of the thing. I don't know what's going on here. I'm a mess. So who won this one? Mark? I did. Yeah, Mark did, because he's the only one that's, that that picked Edmonton. Why the hell did you pick Edmonton? Because, because, he, because he, he, he sucks. That's your theory? Yep. Okay. Okay, so, so be it. Mark gets the score for that one. We'll got the score for the first one. And now we've got game three. Can I no start one. game three, please? Can you? Like right now? Yes, please. Before I get to? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Go okay. ahead. I was in I was in Lethbridge, so I didn't get to watch the game. <laughs> but while while we've been doing this podcast I have been watching the game. What the hell is that? Is he making popcorn in the background? Holy cow. Anyways, I I didn't get to watch the game, but I'm watching it now as we're doing the podcast. And at 11.06 of the second quarter, it was 6-3 for Hamilton. So, for you guys, what the hell happened? Don't know. Don't know, but it wasn't real. Hamilton started scoring, and Toronto decided not to. <laughs> Pretty much. Toronto scored, uh, or sorry, Hamilton scored six straight touchdowns. Will. Yep. Six possessions, six touchdowns. Okay. <laughs> wow. Is that That's all? Forty-two points. Okay. And yeah. that was only like getting started. They were just getting warmed up at that point in time. Yeah, unbelievable. Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead because I'm I'm done. So you're done. I don't know what. Yeah, I'm done. Okay, you're done. Well, it. I, I am absolutely not sure what happened in this game. I have no response for it. I don't know how we can even talk about it. 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 it this is not a barn burner. This wasn't a blowout. This was. This. I, what do you call this? Mark, Molly what do you call this? Wop. of biblical Wop. proportions, man. This is Charlton Heston type of stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, Molly Wop for sure. Whoopsies. Mark, go ahead. 
I don't know really if there's a lot to say about this game. I did watch the majority of it. It was extremely hard to pay attention in the second half. I bet. I guess you could say Hamilton was firing on all cylinders and uh, Toronto was an Edsel that's been in the barnyard for the last 65 years. It's embarrassing of biblical proportions. That was a good line, wasn't it? (laughs) It took me a minute to spit that one out, but it was good, yes. Um, Really, what do you say this full embarrassment? And in the second half, it wasn't like Hamilton was throwing 40-yard bombs to get touchdowns. They couldn't stop scoring. Like, and nobody on the Toronto sidelines yelled, make a goddamn play? I think they should have waved a flag. White flag. Something. <laughs> and Simone Lawrence took a beating on social media because of the dance he did with his interception. And he should just shut up and serve his suspension and blah, blah, blah. The dance he did was James Wilder's dance. And that was a direct shot at Wilder saying he was coming for him. Oh, yeah. He Uh answered it. I thought he answered it perfectly. Is it over the top? Yeah. Is it cocky as hell when you're up by that many points? Sure. If you're going to open your mouth, if you're going to throw a shot, you've got to expect him back. Yeah, without question. Really, that's about it. It's just, there's really nothing to say about it when you look at the score. Brandon Bridge may be starting next week. (laughs) What do you mean? Brandon Bridge was signed by Montreal. Montreal. Oops, I was thinking he went back to Toronto. Sorry about that. No. No, no, no. He just signed for Montreal. So you're talking about uh, what what Jared Jared said something really good today. What was it? Um what did he call McLeod Bethel Thompson? The law office. Yeah, McLeod Bethel Thompson. (laughs) Yeah. The law office. It sounds like a law office name. They got beautiful quick. Oh, James Franklin he's a bust. Total and complete bust. Mm-hmm. We knew this last year, and they stuck with him. Corey Chandler yeah, named him throw, starter in the preseason. Let's throw Jacques Chapdelaine at the OC, okay? That's a bust. Okay, so there was there was a stat that you put out today, Mark, wasn't it? That Corey Chandler's lost 17 of his last 19 starts. As a head coach, including players. As a head yep. coach. And Jim Pop hired him. Yep. I honestly thought this man would never be a head coach in, in the CFL again. I was surprised when Jim Pop hired him as a, a defensive coordinator for Toronto Argus. I was shocked when he hired him for as the DC. Then they promoted him to head coach, and I was shaking my head. And was I wrong? 
And they can't fire him. Can't afford to. Nope. I don't see any other coaches there that could step in as a head coach. Not in Toronto. And there really isn't anybody out there available in this anywhere. Well, and you can't afford it anyway with the salary cap. Management cap. Yeah, that's ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. I hate this management cap. I hate it. I hate it. I hated it when it was implemented. I said this is only going to affect and hurt the teams that are not doing well. The teams that are thriving are never going to fire their management mid-season. This only hurts the teams. They, you should say that you're only allowed to – I don't know. I don't know how this is going to work. But it's wrong. Charles, go ahead. Well, I think someone should tell the Argos that it's not training camp anymore and this is the regular season and, uh, you know, it's time to actually play because that looked like the most pathetic, unprepared team I have ever seen. To go out there, they got a decent crowd at BMO for once. It's their season opener. It was a nice day. They had uh, a decent crowd, and they lay a freaking egg. They embarrass themselves. How do you go into their, that opening day and you're so horribly unprepared and you get embarrassed by your main rival? I mean, I, I sat there watching this game on Saturday and just kind of shaking my head. I'm like, how do you let this happen in your first home opener? I mean, if you lose, you lose, but... Don't get humiliated like that by your chief rival in your home opener after you had a week of rest in the first week. So you got an extra week to practice. And you still got destroyed and embarrassed on your home field. I just can't believe, I mean, I don't know if you can really fire a coach after one game. But if ever there were a time, that would be it. Because he, Corey Chamblin did not have this team anywhere close to prepared to play on Saturday night. They just they embarrassed themselves. Oh God, I just it was awful. It was just ridiculous to see a team so unprepared in their home opener. I mean, I guess us as Lions as um Lion fans, we got a rallying cry. We can at least say we're not Toronto because that was just aw- to give up 64 points in your home opener. That's just terrible. That doesn't set any type of tone for your season. Well, it does. It means it's going to be a not long a good season. One. James Franklin is not a starting quarterback in the CFL. And all that talk for years that he was going to be um um all that talk for years that he was going to be the next big quarterback, I think that talk is completely over now because he can't cut it as a starter. I'm sorry. If um if you don't if um you're going to um Make a quarterbacking change. I make it right away and put McLeod Bethel Pompton because I've got no confidence in James Franklin, none anymore. 
especially after that game. They had no offense, they had no defense, and they just looked like a complete embarrassment. And they should all be ashamed of themselves. And that's it. Without question. Okay, so that's it. The final score in this one was Hamilton 64. Toronto 14. Now, 14 points is not a bad score for a game. But 64 points is fucking ridiculous. Hamilton tied a record for most points scored or biggest point differential between two teams. 50 points. 50 points more than your opponent. I don't care who you are, I would be doing a dance. Okay? That's that's embarrassing. Toronto should have been up there with the white flag, Roger Nielsen right white flags. This is embarrassing. William, go ahead. I think we should start a poll and the poll should be which week of the CF or which what CFL week will Jim Pop be the head coach in Toronto? What do you figure? Week five? It's possible. Okay. Hang on here, okay? Now the week three, Toronto plays Saskatchewan. They can't okay. beat Saskatchewan. They can't I don't beat know. Saskatchewan. No, okay, I then week like that, not a chance. Week four, they play BC. I'm they're hoping BC. They're not beating BC either. Okay. Week five, they play Toronto or Winnipeg. Oh, God. Week six, Good they luck. play Calgary. Week seven, they're playing um, Edmonton. Are we talking oh, about o- Owen? And then they, week oh. eight, they play Winnipeg. Week nine, oh, they're eight. not going to lose. Oh, they're in a bye. Okay. Week ten, they're playing Edmonton. Not till week 11 do they play Montreal. And that's their first possibility of a win. Wow. Like, seriously, I, I'm i not picking on Toronto here. I'm, Toronto Argonaut fans love you, okay? I, I do. I really love you. But seriously, your team can't compete with Winnipeg. Your team's not going to be able to compete with Edmonton. Your team's not going to be able to compete with Ottawa. And they certainly didn't compete with Hamilton. So your only hope is Montreal of any type of victory. Maybe Saskatchewan, but you really got to play hard. No, I'm sorry. This is just not going to happen well. I don't know. It's absolutely Scary and terrible. Absolutely terrible. Okay, so that's the week. That's the wrap. Uh, oh, hang on. Who scored this? Who did this one? This, uh, all, I, all I know is I, I don't know what the hell's going on here with this spreadsheet. Um, it's missing part of it. And it, I'm not going to blame that one on Steven. It's probably something I did. Uh, Charles, you won this one. Yeah. How can they score 78 points and you only be out by 39? 
Well, I picked this and, one to be a blowout anyways, just not and, to and, the level that it was. Well, you picked a 31-20. Will, Will, you picked Toronto. Did you really? You did. You picked Toronto. That's embarrassing. I was op- I was optimistic. Yeah. And, uh, Mark, you were out by 43 points, and I was out by 46. So we've had seven games so far, oh. and what have we learned from these seven games? Expect the unexpected. <laughs> we suck at picking? No, Christopher cannot pick it to save his life. I am 0 for 7. 0 for 7, okay? I'm starting to look like a Toronto Argonaut. Why are we getting three games in week two? What's a bye week? It's a major bye week. For three teams? In the second week? The stupid three bye weeks. Hmm. Yep. I have no response to this. It's just not something that I understand. Weird. Yes. Okay. Well, you know, I'm just looking at a power rankings for the Western Division, and BC's not in last, so I'm okay with that. Okay, so let's take a look at the power rankings after all the week two. Okay, what which what, which power rankings are we looking at here? Um, uh, we I guess just I better posted on the I, site. I better go to the link. Okay, here we are. You did first down? First down sports power rankings? First down, that's the ones I found. Well, I think they're not out yet. Right? CFL.ca hasn't got theirs out yet. No, this is week two that they've got. They got Winnipeg Blue Bombers in first, Edmonton Eskimos in second, uh, arguing between Hamilton and Ottawa for third place and fourth, uh, Calgary in fifth, uh, one guy's got Montreal. What the hell? <laughs> That's funny. Um, then Saskatchewan, both guys got Saskatchewan in sixth place, BC in seventh for both of them. And then they got the Montreal Calgary switched around there. Calgary's in eighth place on this with this one guy. Argos wow. are actually in ninth place, and uh, the Atlantic what? Schooners are in tenth. The Atlantic Schooners? They're kind of undefeated. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so I might uh, put the schooners ahead of the Argos after this week. Well, Jared actually did a funny because he put down some some bantam football team from Winnipeg is higher than the Argos, and uh, I, you know I'm really having problems not arguing with him. So uh, Eskimos tie cats no no. No, sorry, I can't put the Tie Cats ahead of the Bombers. I'm looking at some Mark Popowich uh, or CFL fans only. Mark Popowich did some uh, whatever, and he's got the the Bombers in third place. I can't do that. I can't do that. And you can't move Calgary down down so far when they were on a bye. So no, I'm sorry, Charles. What do you got? What do you got for power rankings there? Anything interesting? Um, to be honest, the one guy on the one that I got here, Andy, the the one we linked here, this Andy guy, I think his ratings are actually pretty good. Although I 
still would put the Lions, I would swap the Lions and the Riders. I would have BC 6th and the Riders 7th. Yeah. Maybe that's homerism, but I still think the Lions played better um, than the Riders. They had a tougher opponent. They had a tougher opponent, and when you take the whole two weeks, I know they're both going two, but I think if you look at the two teams, for the most part, they played better than the Riders over the two games. So I'd put BC 6th, Saskatchewan 7th. Other than that, the rankings he's got there, I would say is pretty good. I know they're 2-0, and but I'm still iffy about putting Ottawa ahead of Calgary. I know Calgary lost. I know Ottawa's 2-0, and but eh, I still think that. Well, I, I'll leave it where it is. I'd leave it where it is, but I still kind of waver on that one. But those ones are pretty good. Yeah. Okay. Mark, what are your thoughts here? You got the Bombers in first place, obviously. You've had that since the off season. Mm-hmm. Who you got? Who you got in second? I have Edmonton in second. I don't have any issues with them uh, oh. being second and Hamilton third. None whatsoever. Um, yeah, Hamilton looked amazing, but look who they played. Uh, Edmonton did play a tougher team. So, um, and I wouldn't even flip Saskatchewan and BC. Okay. I'm sorry. Only because I, I wouldn't flip. I would or I would flip Saskatchewan and BC. Sorry. Okay. Yeah. So you've got Ottawa up in sec in fourth, Calgary in fifth, and then BC. Are you telling me here? Yeah. Okay. So you're kind of picking the Andy thing here, except for the Saskatchewan-BC thing. Yeah. They're both 0-2 teams, but BC played stronger opponents both weeks. Yeah. Okay. And I do agree with Jared that the high school team should be ahead of Toronto. Oh, my good Lord. I think the cheerleaders are further than Toronto. Okay. Sad. You know, I, I feel bad for the Toronto Argonauts fans because I really do. Okay. Um, William. Yes. Um, you know what? I'm okay with these power rankings. They're power rankings. They don't mean much to me. So, as you long don't as care Calgary, about them? as long as Calgary and Winnipeg uh, did not move, because. I didn't play this week, so Edmonton, I have no problem with them being in second place. They played well. So. Yeah, I just. We'll see. Kind of, kind of bizarre. This has been a bizarre season so far. You know, we've always we said that it was going to be an interesting season with the amount of free agents moving around, right? It was the most bizarre off season. So why would the season be any better? Uh, not going to happen. Okay. I want to play with this one. A spat broke out between the CFL and the PA over Randy Ambrosi's comments criticizing the PA's support for Simone Lawrence. Were the commissioner's comments warranted? Well, here's the deal. We're going to talk about this at length, I'm sure, right now. 
first off, you got to know that the CFLPA came to the table, negotiating table, with an argument. And we, we got into that. No, I'm going to back up on this one for a second. Canadian labor law says that any union has to defend any worker who has asked them to against their company. Okay? That's not the legal term at all. Any grievance, they have to back a grievance. Okay? You have to file the grievance. The player or worker has to file the grievance with the union, and then the union has to, by law, represent that person moving forward. Simone Lawrence was issued a two-game suspension for his hit on Zach Close, which I think was absolutely preposterous. I, I personally, I don't think he should have been suspended at all. Uh, I do agree with the fact that shots need to be taken out of the, the league. Uh, I, un, I understand everything else. It wasn't a late hit, yada, yada, yada. Okay. So Randy Ambrosi, as the commissioner, who I don't like at the best of times, made a statement by saying, we, the league, do not accept this type of a hit. I agree with him to the point where you're going to make a statement, make a statement. So he, he gave him a, issued him a, okay, because everybody on this panel and everybody associated with the CFL believes that we have to remove these type of hits from our game. There's no arguments there. Nobody's going to argue with you. Okay. Late hits are unacceptable. Hits to the head are unacceptable. Whatever. They're unacceptable. Was this the worst hit we've ever seen? Absolutely not. Um, But it's not a point. That's not the point. The point is we're at today and we're moving forward. So he's issued a two-game suspension. Simone Lawrence went to his union and said, I don't think I should have got two games suspension. I want to grieve this. So the union files an appeal. Randy Ambrosi goes public and says that he's disgusted with the PA for challenging this two-game suspension. <coughs> Excuse me. Randy Ambrosi, you're wrong. The PA had no choice. They had to do it. But here's where you're right. What the PA should have done was told Simone to shut up and sit in the corner and take one for the brotherhood because we're trying to save the other players. Sit down, take your two-game suspension, accept it, shut up, and move on. Now, for the, the PA to do this, <clears throat> is Simone doing this because, appealing this because he doesn't want to sit out two games, or is it because he doesn't want to miss two games paycheck? Bottom line, it's all about money. So the CFLPA should take <clears throat> two games pay out of their strike fund that they didn't have to use this year 
and give it to Simone Lawrence and tell him to shut up and put a gag order on him so that he doesn't say that he got that money. All perfectly legal. They can do this. And then it looks like Simone Lawrence manned up and said, yes, I was bad. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have done it, and it won't happen again. I accept my punishment and sit down. So any hits moving forward, the player is going to say, well, I'm going to look like a schmuck because Simone Lawrence didn't appeal his decision, and I can't do mine. Anyhow, you know, what I'm, you know where I'm coming from on this. It's setting a precedence that this type of hit is not acceptable and that the players need to accept the punishment. doesn't mean that that's the way it happens or what's going to happen or anything else. So it's just my philosophy on this, and I could be, like, dead wrong, and I want you guys to tell me whether I am. Mark, go ahead. You're not wrong. I don't have an issue with Ambrosi saying it in an office with his CFL staff and somebody leaks it to three down or whoever. Yeah. Which is usually how this kind of crap comes out. To say it to the media in a statement, you're really picking a fight with the union? Yep, it's that's only what they a did. Tweet. How many years is the contract? Two? Or three? Four, isn't it? No. Is it only three? It's, o- it's only two is or three CBA? years. CBA? Yeah. CBA is three years. Three? Okay. That's not a long time to forget come negotiations going, really, you attacked us? Here we uh, go. Ambrosi used to play in the league. He should know these things. It's ridiculous that he brought it up. You let somebody leak that to the media. You send them the press release and you tell them, leak it. Yeah. But to pick a fight with the union publicly is just dumb. Especially when you're, you're telling the union to break the law. makes the CFL again look like a joke it's hard to get casual it's hard to get a football fan who is NFL NFL to not look at that and go what the hell is this you're not going to grow the game attacking the union I've never seen this Where you publicly attack a union. It, it's pretty funny. Go ahead. Charles. What's your thoughts uh, on this? I, I, I agree with you. I mean, they kind of, the PA's got no real choice in the matter, like you said, under the labor laws in Canada. If the guy wants to, um, if the guy wants to uh, appeal. appeal, that's uh, they have no choice but to support him in that. But I really wish someone at the PA would have gone to Simone Lawrence and say, you know what, just 
bite the bullet and take this one because, quite frankly, uh, for the greater good, uh, this is where you've got to do it. Just like you said, take one for the team. Take one for the brotherhood. Um, take one for the brotherhood. It's all about player safety and so on. Um, Ambrosi coming out. Uh, I didn't totally disagree with his message, even though, like we said, they didn't really have a choice. But I, I still think there was a way that the uh, PA could have handled it to kind of save face. But him coming out and saying it really doesn't do anything to help the matter. It's not as if it was going to change anything. And it just... It pisses people off, and it makes the league look bad. So I don't know what he was trying to gain by doing this, but whatever it was, he didn't gain very much because it uh, really didn't uh, do anything but just piss people off. I understand the message, and I agree with the message, but maybe this is something that could have been done privately rather than through social media. We saw during the play during the um CBE negotiations, um people making comments and so on through the media, social media. And many people said, "You know what? Stop talking through social media. Talk privately." Um and this is the same thing, you know, doing doing stuff like this and trying to put through a message through social media very seldomly will have positive results, uh, very seldomly. So while I agree with some of what he said, I don't mind so much what he said. I mind the way he said it because it just it made uh, the league look bad, I think, and it just needlessly created waves. I can't argue with you. You're 100% correct. William. Yep. My question is, does anybody know how long Randy Ambrosi's contract is for? Oh, too long. Is it? Yeah, it's too long. uh, Whatever it is, if it's another 12 days, it's too long. I, I think when he does something like that, he should be fired, to be honest with you. Don't, uh, don't do this. Don't do this on Twitter in the media, okay? Like, I mean, we just had the CBA negotiations, and they said he negotiated in good faith, and then he comes out and does something like this, okay? And, yeah, maybe the union should have told, uh, what's his name, to just suck it up and take the two-game suspension. But they didn't, so they're kind of at fault, too. But... I mean, if we have that kind of infighting between the CFL management and and the, and the players, it's not good for anybody. It's that simple. It's just not good for anybody. And, and I mean, Randy Ambrosi used to be a player. Like, did his life change that much after that he's doing things like this? So, once again, you know, Where's the solidarity with the union if they can't do something like that? And I understand the union has to defend Simone Lawrence. It's against the law if they don't. But 
like you said, maybe they could have had a backdoor negotiation and said, hey, you hurt Zach Kolaris, just take the two-game suspension, suck it up, somebody will give you some money, and take it from there. So yeah. that's really all I have to say. There's an envelope in that book over there. Go pick it up. Yeah. I don't care how you do it. Just make this go away. And they just weren't capable of doing it. You know, the problem The problem right now is you have football players running the union and you have football players running the CFL management. That's not a good thing. Sorry. I I don't think you can call Randy Ambrosia a football player anymore. He's been in business too long. Yeah, but he was. I guess. Yeah. Brandon Bridge is signed with the Montreal Alouettes. Is this his last chance, or does does his birth certificate keep him around a little longer? Well, now that they changed the rule, his birth certificate might keep him around a little longer. But we've always said that your number one quarterback is the one that's going to win you the Grey Cup, except at Winnipeg. And number two should be the one who keeps you in the game if your number one goes down. And your third string quarterback should be the guy that you want to see in the future. That he is the number two isn't replacing the number one. The number three is going to replace the number one. Number three guy is there to learn, to grow. That this is your biggest potential is your number three guy. I think that's kind of how the quarterbacks work in the CFL. Brandon Bridge doesn't fit in any one of those spots. He's not the guy that's going to take you to the Grey Cup. He's not the guy that's going to save your season if your quarterback gets hurt. And he is not your future. Who is he? Right now, he's a backup on a pathetic team who has lost their starter. They didn't even bring him in to be the number one guy. They brought him in to be the backup to the backup. And nobody else in the league wanted him. Not even Saskatchewan. Oh, no. Is this his last chance? Hell, he's lucky to have got it. I don't think his birth certificate is going to keep him around, even though the league, the rules now say that you can dress an extra import because you've got a Canadian on quarterback. Big deal. I'm not impressed. Uh, Yeah. Go ahead, William. You know what? Brandon Bridge has been around for, what, three, four years now? Oh, more. And more. And when he's got when he's got the opportunity, he pre- pretends to pass and then runs the ball. Brandon Bridge can't read defenses. He thinks his athletic ability will take him past being able to read defenses, and that's not going to happen. So I wouldn't even have him have him on my team. You're right; he's going nowhere fast. 
okay? Because he's going to do the same thing in Montreal. He's going to run around, and then he's going to run the ball because he can't read defenses. And unless you're willing to learn, you're not going to be in the league. And that's why, I mean, who cut him this year? Toronto. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. Toronto cut him. Toronto cut him. And look at their quarterback situation. So what does that tell you? This is his Mm -hmm. fifth year in the league. Yeah, there you go. So I have a question uh, for you. His nickname is Air Canada. How can it be Air Canada when he doesn't throw the ball? Great, great question. Okay. But at maybe, best, maybe at, maybe he can be the spokesman for Air Canada when he retires. At best, in his college stats, he was his pass percentage completion percentage was fifty-two. Okay, that's not good for college. That's college. Okay. I don't know. Makes you wonder how he got signed in the first place. If those were his college numbers. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he almost had the same amount of yards rushing as he did passing. No, he didn't. That it wasn't even that close, but I just thought I'd throw that out there. <laughs> okay. Uh, Charles, go ahead and talk about Brandon Bridge and why he can't hit the broadside of a barn with a football. Brandon Bridge has almost now become, uh, to me, like the new Michael Bishop, only with less talent. Um, He's a guy that they call on when they seem to have no other options and when guys get hurt. Uh, I don't know why he can't complete a pass, but uh, there's still so many people out there that seem to think this guy is going to blossom into a great quarterback. It ain't going to happen, folks. This guy cannot read a defense to save his life. Uh, He's had multiple chances. He hasn't made anything with it. So, like Will pointed out, look at the Argos quarterbacking situation right now. It's a mess, and they cut Brandon Bridge. So, that that, that ought to tell you a lot. Uh, The Riders, um, they had Zach Caleros, who was who could get hit by a snowball and be out for a year, and they got rid of them. Uh, There's a reason these teams are getting rid of them. The teams that are getting rid of them are not chock full of quarterbacking talent, yet they don't want them anymore. And now he's back in Montreal to back up guys that uh, have never really played in the CFL, but he's still going to be probably third string. And... That's a problem. This guy just isn't going to ever amount to any sort of big-time player. He's just not. So uh, eventually he's going to go and go for good, I think, because he's convenient to have right now because he is a Canadian. So it's a plus that way on the roster spot, but that's about it because if you're looking for big play out of Brandon Bridge, he might get you a big game once in a blue moon. But more often than not, he's going to disappoint you. That's a fact. Yep. Ask Saskatchewan and ask Montreal and ask Toronto because they've all had him. Yeah, Montreal brought him back for some reason. I guess they didn't have another choice. 
Maybe Kevin Glenn shouldn't have retired when he did. Wow, he's Mark. I'd still want him over. I'd still want him over Kevin Glenn over over Brandon Bridge. You'd take Kevin Glenn over Brandon Bridge. Oh, in a heartbeat. Good. Yes. I wasn't quite sure what you were saying there, but I agree 100% with you there. Mark, mm-hmm. go ahead. This is Bridge's last chance. It has to be. Unless Halifax actually gets a football team. Maybe that's what he's holding out for. He showed a little bit of flash when he was a Saskatchewan. But that was more on Daron Carter. I think it was making circus catches. He's done. They uh, they like they liked him in Saskatchewan because he reminded him of he reminded them of Darian Durant. Yeah. Yeah, he did have some flashes there, not a lot, but they they flickered out real fast. At this point, I don't even know if you could put him into a situation where you have a complete team built around him and just fit into the system. I don't know if he could have a clue how to fit into a system because that doesn't involve running around and scrambling and everything else. But for Toronto signing him, though, or sorry, Montreal signing him, what are the other free agent quarterbacks? There's got to be better than him. There has to be. Not really. Even Drew Willie's better than him. Drew Willie. He's better than Brandon Bridge. If they could keep him upright, yeah, he probably would be. <sighs> if you're bringing in Brandon Bridge, I know it's on short notice because you lost your starter, but what's that saying about the third string you already have? Don't they still have that Schlitzer? Yeah, but isn't he in number two spot right now? Because yeah, Vernon Adams is number up. one yeah. because Pipkin's gone. Oh, I guess so, yeah. yeah. It's ridiculous bringing him in. There's got to be somebody else. There has to be. Maybe they could get Lulee out of retirement. No. <laughs> Just leave Travis good. alone. Travis I don't think there's enough money in the world to get him to go back to, to get him to go to Montreal. No, he just get hurt. Not stupid. I don't know. It's waste of air. Moving on. Through the first two weeks, are the Ottawa Red Blacks the surprise of the league, and do we now believe in Dom Davis? Okay, Ottawa Red Blacks are not the surprise of the league to me. All along, I said, everybody is underestimating Ottawa. The Red Blacks are going to perform. They are going to be in second place in the Eastern Division, if not first. I have had total faith in in the Ottawa Red Blacks to being a productive team this year, a competent team. And a contender. Nobody else did. I caught so much shit over this one. And I'm going to leave it at that. 
So they did not. They are not surprising me being two and zero. Oh. But who did they play? I leave it at that. Charles, you go first. Well, I gotta say they surprised me because I. With all the uh, changes and all the turnover uh, from the team last year, with all the people they lost, I thought they were really going to be horrible. But they went out and they stunned Calgary in Calgary week one, and then they go out and beat Saskatchewan. I mean, sure, Saskatchewan's not the greatest competition in the world. I think we realize that. But, hey, they still beat them. They did what they needed to do. So they're my surprise of the year. I know you were uh, a guy behind them. I thought they were going to be god-awful this year. In fact, I think I picked them to finish last in the uh, Eastern Conference. Of course, after this week's uh, event, uh, I no longer think that. Uh, but, yeah, they're a surprise here. Now, Dominic Davis, hey, um, he's played well in the first two games. Don't get me wrong. But I need to see more than two good games from this guy to just say, okay, well, yeah, maybe he is a starter. Yeah, he had two decent games. One of the games, which was against Saskatchewan, I'm going to keep pointing that out because it's only fair. But they're my, but they're definitely a surprise to me. And um, yeah, uh, Dominic Davis, though I still the books, the jury's still out right now on uh, for me on him. So, but um, I've been impressed with what Ottawa's done in the first two weeks. Okay, William. Um, you know, I've always liked Dominic Davis. <laughs> I think he's a good athlete. I think he's a good athlete. Okay. Um, and he can definitely, he's got a gun for an arm. He can definitely throw the ball. And uh, he can throw the ball on the run. So do I totally believe him? <clears throat> believe in him? Of course not. It's only been two games. Let's, let's, uh, Let's let the whole season go by and see what happens. You know, that's all you can do is wait and see. So, but so far, you can't deny, well, I I guess you can deny it. I mean, he did throw three, four picks in his first game. I guess we can chalk that up. uh, Yeah, I guess we can chalk that up to jitters. Yep. So... You know, but uh, or a really, 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 really good Calgary uh, defensive backfield, maybe. Um, I don't know. We'll see. So, wait and see. And I mean, in Willie's world, the perfect thing would be that Ottawa wins the Great Cup this this year, and 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 they beat Winnipeg in the final with Dominic Davis as the starter. Just saying. Sorry, Mark. I, I I could go with that one. Mark, go ahead. Not gonna happen, Will. They Ottawa has definitely surprised me, and Davis has as well. You know, we did have him here, like CJ pointed out. He didn't look that good here. I'm not upset that he's gone. We've got Strevler. I'm okay with that. He has. He really surprised me in the second game. The first game, it was more or less what I expected. And yes, he did 
they did win. But when we talk about Calgary, we're talking about last year's Calgary and the year before. This is a different team. Mm -hmm. They did pick him off four times. But the defense held Calgary down. You always expect Levi Mitchell to come back when he's got the ball. It didn't happen. They shut him down. So you go with the defense there. And the Saskatchewan game, well, it's a Saskatchewan game. It's, they're not that good of a team. So let's see going forward when he starts, maybe when they play Hamilton. Who do they have next? Who? Tom Davis, Ottawa is going to play. Yeah. Ottawa in week three is on a bye. Oh, of course. And then they are playing Winnipeg in week four in Ottawa. That's okay, so going to be a play. challenge. The next no game will, will show us a lot more. And, and then they play Montreal. Yeah. So the next game they play shows us a lot more. Then they go back to Winnipeg. But they are in the Eastern Division. Two more wins, and they could be, be home and cool to win the first place. Yeah, get, we know that. Right? It's it, it, it's it's mm-hmm. close. It's very 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 close. Yeah. Okay. Let's move on. That was Brandon Bridge through the first. Two weeks are the Ottawa Red Blacks. This, we just did this. I thought, oh, never mind. Bad drugs. More news on the Ottawa Montreal ownership front. Clifford Stark and his brother Tony have reportedly teamed up with former Al's Eric Lapointe to try to purchase the team. Is the league better off getting the team sold sooner or later? to get this out of the headlines. Well, any th- anybody that's got Tony Stark on their team can't. It, it's uh, They're doing okay. They, they'll avenge whatever needs to happen. But um, I think anything happening with the team during the season is not productive. Would it be nice to know that they have that stability? Yes. But there will be changes when the new ownership comes in. And is that the best thing for the Montreal Alouettes at this point in time? We did just lose Mike Sherman. Whoever buys this team has to fire Cavus Reed. Are they going to do it now? Or are they going to wait till the season's over? Um, yeah, I'd, I'd like to see some ownership in Montreal. It would be a good thing. But I'm not afraid of the league owning it for the rest of the season. I don't see a downside to that. So I, I'm I'm okay with the status quo, and I think that that's the way it should stay. Mark, I'm going to let you go first this time. So and go. I'll stop talking into my microphone. There, there you go. we go. Well, the muted microphone. Yes. Um, yeah, I have no issues with Montreal going slow here, with the league going slow. 
do this right. It's very important they get this right. And if it takes a combination of the two guys that really seem to step up to bid on the team and they can work together, do it. But just make sure it's done right. And even if they buy the team tomorrow, they can't fire Cavis Reed anyway. That management cap. Management Why cap. not? Management it cap. depends on how close they are to the management cap and whether or not they're willing to go over it. <laughs> I think they would have to. It's They're a mess. I would might as well keep if they're gonna buy the team now. I would keep Reed until the end of the season and then fire everybody. Just get rid of everybody. But they do need to go slow. They have to make this work because Montreal's crowds are dwindling. Why would they go watch that? Yeah, I have no idea. So it needs to be done right. And if it takes time, it takes time. I'd prefer them to take time than rush into it. Rushing into it isn't going to help. We've seen what happened before with that. Yeah, but we've got two different organizations here. Like Clifford Stark wanted to buy this team, and Eric Lapointe has wanted to buy this team, and both of them have come up with reasons why they can't. Now they're tag-teaming or they're partnering up to do this on their own together. Is is this a, a, a good idea? Can can these two guys work long-term together? That's just it. They have to be able to work together. There's no choice there. Unless one gets 51%. Yeah, but even that, you know, you can't accept it. 49, if I've got 49% of the money in there and I've got no say in how this team is run... I'm not putting 49% of my money in there. Why would you? Yeah. Right? I mean, yeah. I might put 5% in, but I'm not putting 49% in. I have to have say in this, or you're not getting a big chunk of my coin. And I'm pretty sure that any one of these... I mean, the peop, these guys with money like this, it's all about ego for them and status. And I, first off, I don't think status owning the Montreal Alouettes gives you any status in this country. So then it's got to be about ego, knowing that you can come in here and turn this team around because nobody come buy, nobody's going to drop the millions of dollars that they're going to do spend to buy this team and expect them to do worse. You're going to expect that you're going to be able to turn this team away around and make them profitable and make them a winning team. Mm-hmm. That's just a fact. Nobody buys something expecting it to do worse. So. Okay, Charles. Certainly. Yeah. Certainly think that um, they need to get this team sold. And hopefully Iron Man and his group there is uh, okay with Eric LaPointe, but what they can't do is rush this and then get another bad group because bringing in the wrong owner is worse than bringing in no owners at all because 
you bring in the wrong owner and they bail within two years, the credibility of this franchise is basically dead at that point, and the franchise is probably dead at that point because no one's going to support it if it's just another gong show. So better to get this right than to get it done fast. If they can get it done right fast, that's one thing. But they got to be damn sure that whoever's going to take over there in Montreal has the best of intentions, has the money to take losses, because they're going to have to take losses, at least in the beginning, and someone who's willing to be in it for the long haul. You can't just bring in some clown that wants to just uh, try and make a quick buck who's going to bail out in 18 months. So while it would be nice to get an owner done, let's get it done properly, even if it takes longer. Can't argue with that. Mm-hmm. Okay, anybody else want to... William, is it your turn? Yes, it's my turn. Your turn. You know... You're a businessman. Would you buy this team? Um, not unless somebody promised me a new stadium. Mm-hmm. To be honest with you. Um, I, I hope the group that does buy them has enough money. And I'm, you know, they say Eric LaPointe is joining that group, and I'm thinking Eric LaPointe doesn't have money. Um, but I was just reading an article, and apparently this guy does have some money. So not Eric LaPointe, the other guy is this Stark guy. So because you're getting deep pockets, even though it is a CFL franchise. But I don't, I don't think Montreal survives until they get a new stadium. That's true. They, I mean, they need a stadium. BC needs a stadium. Toronto needs let, a stadium. And and let's take this one step further. You know, watching these first two weeks of games, there hasn't been a lot of people in the seats. And I'm hoping that's because it's just the beginning of the year and people have other things to do. And you complained about Edmonton not having enough people, Christopher. We had a we had a massive, massive uh, rainstorm in Alberta on on Friday, and I think that's why half the people didn't show up. To be honest mm-hmm. with you, we're not used to that here. And they were calling for uh, lightning and thunderstorms in Edmonton, so maybe a bunch yeah, of people I saw that too. not to go, just not to go. So. But, yeah, because I haven't seen, and I don't know if it's just because it was getting the games, but I haven't seen lots of people, and that scares me. Calgary's season opener was not that impressive either. So, anyways. Okay, well, we're already 15 minutes left in the ga- in the show, and we are out of our agenda and that's a good thing because there's gotta be something else to talk about here and of course there is so let's go over to the let's talk facebook page because we haven't been there yet today 
Okay. Real quick, Christopher, did anybody notice what Ricky Ray wore to his celebration? Yeah, it was a white T-shirt. A white T-shirt. A white T-shirt with his field access card around his neck. Is yeah. there anything more Ricky Ray than that? No kidding. Nope. You would think that he would wear some Argo colors, though. You know? And Argo hat on. I came down really hard on G. Roy Simon when he showed up for his big thing at BC Place Stadium wearing green and white. So well, I thought that was Argo's disgusting. What's that? He had a hat on. He had the Argo hat on. Yeah. Yeah, he did. I know, but one of those things. You just have to deal with it. Okay. Um, I don't know. Do you have a problem with that? I don't. Mark, you brought it up. No. What's your thoughts? Yeah, no, I don't have a problem with it at all, the way he was dressed. I, that's Ricky Ray. That's Ricky Ray. He's just yep. bland. <laughs> Needs a mirror. Needs a mirror. No, I don't think he needs a mirror. You're not gonna sell. No, I here. thought he was very. I thought he was very fashionably dressed for the summertime in Toronto. I mean. Yeah, yeah. You know who you, you could know. sell a mirror to is Derek Dennis. <laughs> oh no, Christopher. Are you arguing with me? I'm not saying anything, Christopher, because <laughs> I will get in trouble. Christopher. Smart man. Smart man. Okay. Okay, so um, we're back into the Let's Talk CFL uh, Facebook group. That's uh, the main thing. That's where we all started here. Uh, Kelly Bale, one of the original podcasters here on Let's Talk CFL, put up an interesting post a couple days ago. No yards should only be a five-yard penalty when it's caught by the returner if the encroaching player is our engaged by blockers. So that means that they are not able to engage with the the returner. Okay? So they can't affect the returner's play. Well, they're in there and they're kind of making the returner go a different direction or moving them to maybe some of the other tacklers or causing different types of things. So I understand what Kelly's doing with this. I dislike the fact that the ball bounces or the ball is caught in the air and somebody is within the five-yard penalty zone but is backpedaling like hell trying to get out. Uh, his momentum is actually taking him in the opposite direction. The, the five-yard penalty, the no-yards penalty – is put in place to protect the returner from being blown up by the special teams defensive players. And I understand that because he's vulnerable when he's looking up in the air trying to catch the ball. Not much different than a receiver, but let's just say that. And I don't want to do anything like a fair catch because that's just stupid. But I'm looking at this as should there be a 15-yard penalty when the person inside of that zone is actually trying to get out? Or 
removes himself from the play and says, you know, can we make it so that, okay, well, that guy can't engage in the play because he was inside the five-yard penalty. I think 15 yards is too big of a penalty. 15 yards if you hit the returner. Five yards if you're just inside the penalty zone. I've, I've never liked this rule. I've never liked this rule. Charles, tell me what you think. Uh, I don't yards mind. Is huge. I would be happier if it were ten, because fifteen yards is a is a uh, like a major penalty. That's what you get for unnecessary roughness and spearing and stuff like that. And I really don't think that uh, being in within the five yards is on that level. I think it should be ten and five. Although I do, I don't. I like what Kelly's trying to do because I've always thought, you know what, if someone's pushed in uh, into that five-yard zone, I mean, if they're being pushed in by someone, why should they get a 15-yard penalty? The problem with it is it's a judgment call yes. because it could actually look like a guy's being pushed into the five yards even though he's not, and at other times it could uh, the guy could be being pushed in, Uh and they don't call it. It's really a judgment call there, whether or not um, the guys push in. So, I, while I like that the uh, essence of what he's saying, I just think it'd be very difficult to enforce. But um, 15 yards for a no yard still seems excessive to me. I personally think it should be five and ten. So if you the ball bounces and they pick it up at five yards, but if he catches on the fly. It doubles and goes to 10 yards. I'm not sure why they go to 15. I think 15, I agree with you. I think it's a little bit too much. Okay. So what if we have it 5, 10, and 15 where a 15-yard penalty <laughs> is if you're inside of the five-yard zone and you actually touch the receiver? Returner. That I have no problem with. That I have no problem with because, again, we're trying a to safety concern. Him. So, yeah, 5, 10, and 15, I've got no problem with it. Because you should not be hitting a a guy who's looking up trying to catch a ball. And if you run into him, it's almost like blindsiding him. So it can be a very dangerous hit. So I would have no issue with a call like that. Yeah, I, I think it. the purpose of this rule is to protect somebody from injury. Right. Okay? So roughing the passer it isn't a 15-yard penalty if you come – Close to the passer, you actually have mm-hmm. to hit him. Okay? And it's mm-hmm. a 15-yard penalty. Okay? So I think the same thing with the returner. It's a 15-yard penalty if you're inside that five-yard penalty, five-yard zone and you catch the receiver, the returner. That would I, yeah, I, could I don't that. mind that at all. Mark, what's your thoughts I on this penalty? Mark? Turn off your mute. Sorry, I was busy coughing. Oh, it's okay. Um, I've been doing that tonight. The other, uh, I agree with what you're saying, but the other part of the no yards rule that should be taken out is when the ball bounces back towards the line of scrimmage on the punt. Yeah. What are they supposed to do? They can't be running backwards. Because then the guy picks it up and you can't tackle him. You don't have a chance. So you're being penalized because the ball bounced backwards. 
It just has never really made a lot of sense. I'd have no problem with the 10 yards. And Kelly's, a, it's not a bad idea, but we've seen how players can learn how to act real fast. He threw one little stumble, and it looks like he got shoved. In the meantime, the guy didn't touch it as they showed on replay. Yeah. No, I'd have no, pro- I'd have no problem at all with the ten yard, uh, ten yard penalty. Okay. Mark uh, William, what's your thoughts on this one? You know what? I uh, if they change anything, I think they should make the whole thing five yards. Because I've always thought it was a stupid penalty, anyways, because you don't know what's going to happen. But to break it down to five yards and 10 yards and 15, if they do this or if they do that, you know what? The referees have a hard enough time making decisions now. And then you're going to throw that in as well. I mean, yeah. they, they, they blatantly missed two roughing calls on, on Mike Riley, okay? And they were obvious. I, I'm, I'm, during that game, I was sitting here saying, like, where is the flag? It's obvious what happened. Where's the flag? Where's the flag from upstairs? And it didn't happen. So you're getting them to make more decisions, and they have a hard enough time making their own decisions now. So I don't think I'd change it. I, I've always thought 15 yards was way too much anyways. Because so many things can happen on a on a on a return, so like I think just cut it down to five and leave it at that. Yeah, I, I can't argue with that either. But yet, if you're going to go in there and your five yard penalty, I would take a five yard penalty all day to lay out a returner that's got his head up in the air. Drill him. Five yards, big deal. Drill him. Yeah, no, no, no. You yeah, but then, the guy but more then than hold on, hold on. If you if you if you hit a guy when he's looking up like that, you could call uh, you could call unnecessary roughness on something like that, and it's a fifteen yard penalty. But only if you make it that, because it's not one. It's no different than than nailing a receiver that's going after the ball. Well, then why don't we just pretend we're the no fun league and have fair catch? How does that sound? Oh, what? Excuse me, don't hit me. I'm about to catch the ball. I'm a pansy. Oh, my God, the show's over. Sorry, Charles. Who who didn't get their – Mark, you didn't get your say in this one, did you? Everybody did, Christopher. Everybody did. Good, because I'm going to turn off the show. It's time for us to go home. Or I am home. I hope you guys are home. I am home. Yeah. This has been Let's Talk CFL podcast episode number 369. 68, sorry, 68. I'm ahead of myself. Uh, I've been your host, Christopher Jones, and we've got to talk last week's football, this week's football, some projects in the future. Who knows? Uh, Anyhow, yeah, so take what you want from it. Enjoy. We'll be back on Wednesday to do the preview for week three. Uh, Take it away, Charles. Say goodnight. Goodnight, folks. Thanks for listening, and we will talk to you on Wednesday night. Mark. Good night, everybody. Talk to you on Wednesday. William, wrap it up.
Good night, everybody. Talk to you on Wednesday when we'll pick our picks once again. Go else. BC sucks. Go else. You guys, are, you guys have blown everything. Goodbye. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.